Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, and the but there is because he talked about the fruit of the flesh, which isn't good. You can go back and read that in your own time. Um, and he says, the fruit of the Spirit, notice that this is the fruit of the Spirit of God, big S, Spirit. It's not the fruit of just the human spirit without God. It's not certainly not fruit of the flesh. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance, which means patience. And then this morning, kindness. Kindness, and then two more that we'll be looking at uh, next week and the week, uh, sorry, three or four more actually (laughs) uh, in the next few weeks. (laughs) Uh, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he goes on and says this, against such things, there is no law. You know, there's a law against speeding. There's a law against killing people. There are laws against stealing. There are laws of all kinds of things where you're prohibited to do these things, but there is no prohibition. There is no law against these fruit. There's no way God's going to go Uh, I don't want you loving. I don't want you full of joy. I don't want you full of peace. I don't want you to have kindness. There is no law against these things. No law against kindness this morning. Now, kindness, according to the dictionary, is this, the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. Those are big words, and they're awesome words, aren't they? Friendly, generous, and considerate. In fact, kindness is an action word. You can't just think it. You have to actually do it. You actually have to express it. You actually have to have some action behind that. And I love 1 Corinthians 13. It's one of the uh, hallmark scriptures about love. It's used at most weddings. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, part of it says, Love is kind. God is love. And God is kind. Love is kind. In fact, uh, kindness is love in action. Now, we look at the opposite of kindness, and it, it's unkind. The un, un, unkind is part of our culture. It means to be rude or uncaring or harsh or disrespectful or inconsiderate. And, and we live in a culture that is steeped with unkindness. In fact, uh, it's more and more acceptable to be unkind in in today's culture. We see it in social media. That's why I give that a wide berth for the most part, other than wishing somebody a happy birthday on Facebook. It's about all you're going to get out of me. Uh, Because if I start putting my opinion down or even quoting scripture, invariably, here it comes, a whole onslaught of unkindness. We see unkindness in politics. It's one of the reasons people hate politics so much is because they're so unkind. I visited our state parliament a few months ago, sat in on a parliament time there, and I could not believe how unkind the politicians were towards each other, especially left versus right and liberal versus uh, 
uh, conservative, and in all the political parties, extremely unkind. And then we've got the tolerance police. They're the ones that are trying to police kindness into society or trying to make everybody tolerant towards one another. But I've never seen so much unkindness come out of the tolerance police. It's amazing, isn't it? And then if you're here and you go to school or you're teaching in our school system, our school system is steeped with unkindness. That's why it's so hard for us to get teachers anymore, because they're just tired of going in and being the target of young people's unkindness, which incidentally they get from their family life. So we've got unkindness in the family. It's like all through our society. And then we see it in the place where really it should not be. If there's any place where there should not be unkindness, it should be the house of God, the household of faith, the church. In fact, we should say the church is not only a household of faith, but the church should be a household of kindness, kindness extended forth. Our, our, our vision as city church is to grace the nations. That's to take the unmerited favor, if you will, and the ability of God to the nations. The number for grace is, is five. And God's hand has five fingers on it, so to speak. And, and he wants to extend the hand, not the hand of condemnation, not the hand to smack everybody in the nations for being naughty, but the hand of friendship, the hand of healing. God has healing hands. God, God's hand is extended towards all the nations, all the nations of this world. And that's an act of kindness because we serve a kind God. In, in our, 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 our vision here, what we see is the hand of God extended and God's ability extended to all the nations of this world, of which many of the nations of this world are represented here this morning. That is not by default. Incidentally, that is by design. We design a church for the nations because that's what God has called City Church to do. And the way that we get to that vision, which is called mission is to raise up generations to reach nations. And the way what we're raising generations in isn't to win arguments. It's not in politics. It's not to be intolerant and say that we're tolerant. It's to be kind. It's to be considerate. It's to be generous. It's to be friendly towards all people. And you'll notice as our church is growing, you'll notice more and more people with their, their, their native dress coming in, more and more people that obviously aren't from here. I'm one of them. <laughs> uh, but our challenge is that we don't become little cloisters and little clubs within a bigger group of people, that we would extend the grace that God wants to all nations and that we would raise up generations because as we raise our children, and many of those are in children's church next door, and many of you are parents that we would teach our, our children to be kind, generous, friendly, and that they would extend the grace that's been given to, to us, to this world. Question, is it acceptable to be unkind? Well, obviously not. Would, would we expect people to be unkind in heaven? We all know the Lord's Prayer, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, how? 
in heaven, uh, on earth rather, as it is in heaven. So if you went to heaven, and we all, hopefully all of us are bound for heaven. We're all going there, I would hope. If you went to heaven and walked around, would you expect people to be rude and obnoxious? Would you expect the angels to be flying around to enforce and to pol into police love and joy <laughs> and gentleness and patience and, and kindness? Would you expect God's police to, be, you know, his angels to be like policemen trying to give people tickets for being unkind? Well, of course not. That's silly. It wouldn't be heaven if it was an unkind place. It wouldn't be heaven if there was racism. Well, there won't be racism because there's only one race. That's the human race. And you're not going to be black, purple, white, orange, <laughs> whatever when you go to heaven. You get a new body. Hallelujah to everybody that's over the age of 50. <laughs> you ain't going to look like you do now. You'll be known as, you'll know as you're known, but you're not going to be carrying the same skin when you come to heaven. So why not practice now? Why, why not start now to practice being a citizen of heaven and not tolerate unkindness, but to be kind towards everybody? Because heaven is eternity and eternity well, that's a long, long time. In fact, there is no time. That's how long it is. It's stepping out of time. This little bit of dash between the dates on the tombstone, which represents your life, is practice time. I like it. It's a time to practice what we preach. It's a time to take a hold of the Word of God. And if God says, be kind, well, what choice do we have? If he's Lord, we have to obey him. We get to obey him. So it's not acceptable in heaven, so why is it acceptable here to be unkind? 2 Timothy 2.24, great scripture. And the Lord's servant, I hope that's you, it certainly is me, must not be quarrelsome. That's coming directly from the Lord. Must be, come on, everybody say it, must, must be kind to well, our own kind. Everybody looks like me. Everybody that has an American accent like me, I'm going to treat them really kind. Everybody else, forget it. If you cross me, look out. That's all I've got to say to you. If you cross me, look out because I am going to make your life, no friend, must not be quarrelsome, must be kind to everyone able to teach and not resentful. Now, I did not write the Bible. That's a newsflash right there. This is not Ed preaching Ed's opinion on something. This is a thus saith the Lord. You know the Lord? The one that you put your hand up and said, uh, 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 Jesus, you're Lord now. You're not just a good idea or a buddy that I could take it or leave it. But, but he is Lord of all or he's Lord of nothing. And this is part of the all. You must be kind to everyone. Now, Jesus goes on and he talks a lot about that, about loving enemies, uh, a whole lot of stuff there. 
that if the church would pick that up and actually be obedient and be a disciple of his and not take it or leave it and leave these scriptures as optional, but when I feel like I'm going to do it. No, when you don't feel like it, that's when you need to do it. That's when you know whether he's Lord or not is when your flesh does not feel like it. You feel like being quarrelsome. You feel like being resentful. You feel like being unkind and getting on there and giving somebody a piece of, uh, of your mind on social media, but you, you're reminded. The Lord says, I must not be quarrelsome. I must be kind to everyone. If you were to ask the people closest to you, and uh, perhaps that your spouse if you're married, perhaps that's a really good friend that tells the truth. If you were to ask the people closest to you, am I a kind person? And I want you to answer truthfully. <laughs> what would they say? I want to be known for my kindness. How about you? I want to be known for my love. That's the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be known as a person of joy, not just happiness. We covered that. You go back at the message. I, I want to be known as a person that has incredible peace, even in the middle of storms. I want to be known as a person of patience, not honking my horn in the traffic, getting aggro at everybody, probably somebody's grandmother, to be honest. It's in front of me. <laughs> I want to be a person that's known for my kindness. Why? Because that's a fruit of the Spirit. If you're not kind, you're not walking in the Spirit. That's a newsflash. Sarcasm. Criticism of others, these are not fruits of the Spirit. If you're known for your incredible wit, your incredibly sharp tongue, man, I'll tell you what, I can slice them and dice them quicker than they can get. Sarcasm, quarrelsome, <laughs> fault-finding, complaining, gossip, impatience, getting even your incredible ability to argue. That's not something to be proud of. And if the closest people to you said, well, you know, yeah, I'm going to try to be nice to you, but here's the answer. No, you're not kind. You, you, you're quick. You're, you're, you're quick to make a joke at somebody else's expense. You always know the latest joke that you wouldn't tell at church in front of everybody, but you, you know it. You're a very critical person. You're full of sarcasm, not a fruit of the Spirit. If, if that's the truth, well, then it's up to you to do something about that, to tap into the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4.32, listen to this. Again, this is not my opinion. Be kind <laughs> and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How, how? Just as in Christ God forgave you. Aren't you glad that he's kind? 
Aren't you glad that God extended his hand of friendship to you when you did not deserve it? Aren't you glad that God's not taking his hand and just biffing you really hard? You'd fly across the galaxies if, if that happened. Aren't you, aren't you glad? If you're following Jesus, you will be a kind person. And the truth is, the world is crying out for kindness. But they're so unkind. Ask any school teacher if they would rather their students be kind <laughs> or quarrelsome and full of hate and sarcastic and every other word that goes against kindness. Ask any student in a school how, how, how fun is it to be bullied and to come home from school not wanting to go to school because people at school are making fun of you because of whatever it is that's not cool about you. I know I've been there, and many of you have too. The world is crying out. Well, would somebody be kind? Would somebody model kindness, generosity, friendship, have mercy, compassion. Is there, is there such a person or people on the planet that are kind? Well, there is. And we need to get a lot better at it. Better at following Jesus. Better at the Spirit of God. And that people is God's church. And I pray for this church. I really do pray that we would be known for our kindness, that we would be known for the group of people. If you go there, if you're part of their, if you go there on a Sunday or a Wednesday dinner party or you run into them uh, at the shopping mall or wherever they're at, if, if they're in school and they're a student from that city church group, they're a teacher from city church, if, they're, if they belong to that group of people from city church, you can count on one thing, they're kind. They're known for their kindness. And that's my goal this morning, is to shift something in our church so that regardless of how people treat us, regardless if they're the same color, ethnicity, or whatever persuasion, regardless of whether they're Christians or not, that they'd find kindness, even if their religious persuasion doesn't line up with ours. People are tired of unkindness. I, I, I don't know what you're like, but I'm so tired of it in politics. And politicians are elected to represent society. They're, they're elected to represent the population. So if the politician is unkind, guess what? The people they represent aren't all that kind. Marching and protesting and posting stuff and all the stuff that God never says to do a lot of Christians are really good at it. <laughs> I would rather not be known as somebody that's really good at that. I'd rather be known as somebody that's really good about being kind. Because that's a fruit of the Spirit. Oh, but it's weakness, Pastor Ed. If I'm kind, I'm weak. So the question it poses itself, can you be strong and be kind? The answer is obvious. Absolutely. In fact, kindness is a strength. It's a fruit of the Spirit, but it also shows how strong that you are because there is a cost to kindness. 
you are probably going to cop it for being kind. <laughs> There's a cost to forgiveness. It's called swallow your pride. Get rid of it. It stinks anyway. There's a cost to everything that God calls us to do. There's a cost. There's a price tag. But he says, take up your cross. Follow me. Paul said, I, I, that I might know you. Not just the power of your resurrection, but in the fellowship of your suffering. You're going to eat name called. You're going to get bullied probably. But are you going to come out swinging or are you going to come out kind? Are you going to come out with love because it's fruit that's coming out on the branch or are you going to come out with something else? Are you going to come out and gossip and, and be quarrelsome and, and exhibit the, 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 the flesh? Or are you going to switch over? But there is a cost to it, but kindness is not weakness. You can be strong and kind. This morning, we're going to look at one of the strongest men in history. His name was David. David was a king. In fact, I almost called this message, uh, the king is kind. But this message is called, are you kind? Are you kind? All of us have an answer to that. All of us know whether we're... Uh, 10 out of 10 with that, I doubt it, but, you know, or zero or one or wherever we're at. David was a great king. David was a great warrior. David was a great worshiper. We all know that. David was a, a man after God's own heart. Why was David a man after God's own heart? What was the qualities that made David a man after God's own heart? Some people say it's because he worshiped with that heart, harp out there with the sheep. I'm sure it captured God's heart, his worship out there under the stars. I think it's because David marched into Jerusalem and David took authority and David slew uh, his 10,000, Saul got his thousands. I think it was because of David's generosity to raise money and have a, a vision for, uh, for the temple. I think all of the above. The warrior was a worshiper. But the, the warrior became a king, and the king was incredibly kind. We don't see, see David that way very often. We, we see the, the, the warrior, we see the worshiper, we see so many aspects of David's character, but kindness, uh, it's not very often that that's mentioned. 1 Samuel 20, Jonathan and David, David had a, a, a covenant with Saul. Just lay a little bit of background, but King Saul was incredibly jealous of David. He hated David. He had the, the demonic in his life. Saul was out to kill David on several occasions. He tried to kill David, threw a spear at him, uh, missed. He, he did a lot of things to try to kill David. The, the hatred was just brewing on the inside of him. I think that one of the reasons was because David was incredibly kind. He just couldn't get under his skin. And he hated that. And he was jealous because he, he knew that David had been anointed to be the king and he uh, had failed in, in his ability to be the king. And he had a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan was like a brother to David. They, they, were, uh, they were one together. They loved each other. They had a, a bond together that, that it just extended. 
The souls, the Bible says, the soul of Jonathan and the soul of David was knit together. Jonathan died with his dad, with Saul. But before he died, before he went off in, in battle, and, was, and uh, there's, a, there's a story of how he died, uh, but before he fell on his sword and died, he had a pact with David. And this is what this verse says here. And I want to read it, 1 Samuel 20. Verse 14, this is Jonathan. He says this to David with passion. He says, but show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family. Not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. Promise me you'll be kind to me as long as I'm alive, but also that you would extend that kindness to every generation to my family, even when you don't have any more enemies, even when my father Saul, who hates your gods, is gone. Promise me. You'll be kind if there's any of my family left. Now we go over to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3. This is after Jonathan is gone. David is king. And the king, David, asks, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul? My enemy, the one that hates my guts that's gone now? Is there anybody from his family? David remembers the covenant that he'd made with Jonathan. That I'm going to be kind not just to you, but I'm going to be kind to your, all your offspring and your family, even when I don't have any enemies. Is, and he, so he asks, is there still one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I could show God's kindness? This is his goal. I want to show God's kindness to somebody from the house of my enemy. Ziba answered the king, there's still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Now this is a grandson of David's enemy Saul. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel and Lodabar. So the king had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, in other words, his grandson, Saul's grandson, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you what? kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan I will restore you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul and you will always eat at my table and Mephibosheth bowed down and said what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me and the king summons Ziba Saul's steward and said to him I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. 
And you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Now they're all going to serve Mephibosheth. And then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands. His servant to do. And so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. You know those people out there that you're just tempted to let them have it <laughs> on social media and all the movements of this world and the hatred of the nations rising up against nations and all the stuff that's going on. Would you Treat them with the kindness that David had to come and sit like one of the king's sons. So I want to give you four thoughts on how to grow in kindness. I hope every one of us would take notes. I hope that we would all personalize this, take it up as a challenge, personally a challenge, because it's so important to God. This is not just in passing, oh, the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> This has to be appropriated. I really want this appropriated in my life. I really want it appropriated in your life. I really want it appropriated in, in our church's life so that we can truly grace nations. Number one, four thoughts. Number one, recognize people for who they are in, to God. In other words, every person has value to God. Mephibosheth didn't think he had any value to God. Why? Why would you notice a dead dog like me? And there are people out in this world that have such a low opinion of themselves. And that's part of the reason they're lashing out and being hateful is because they don't, they don't know they're loved. They just think nobody loves them. They think that everybody's out to get them and nothing good going on here. So they're behaving out of that. Have you ever recognized somebody that you thought wasn't all that important and then you find out that they are that important and everything changed? <laughs> I remember back in San Diego, back in the, in the early 80s, I wasn't in the ministry, so to speak, and I worked as a financial analyst at a company there, and I'd just taken on fact, uh, a new company, a new job, and it was at the same time that the San Diego Chargers football team, they're no, no longer San Diego Chargers, they're in L.A., but uh, the Chargers signed a, a backup quarterback to the main quarterback, a guy named Dan Fouts. And, and this quarterback was about the same age as me. I was bigger back then. The weights that I lifted yielded muscles. <laughs> and... And he had the same name as me. Fancy that. Not a very common name, Ed Luther. And nobody knew what this guy looked like that they'd signed because he was the backup quarterback. And in American football, people wear helmets. For the most part, this guy had his helmet on, had a beard, and nobody kind of knew. He wasn't a familiar face like this starting quarterback. But still, American football is like they, they worship these people like gods. And I remember just got the job at 
the 3M Corporation, and, and they were all talking how, at work anyway, how we signed Ed Luther, and the Chargers had just signed Ed Luther, and we're about the same age, same height, same everything, really. And I would go places to buy clothing and use my credit card, and, and I was a nobody until somebody thought I was a somebody. I remember being in one men's clothing place and uh, trying, to, trying to get a, a person to show me some shirts and some clothes, and the salesperson was ignoring me, and I felt pretty bad about that. And until a friend of mine said, hey, do you know who that guy is over there? He goes, no, who is he? He's the backup quarterback for the Chargers. Lied, liar, liar, liar. Ah, really? Yeah, really. And when I went to pay and showed my credit card, and my name is Edward, but his name's properly Edward as well. <laughs> it's really him. All of a sudden, everything changed. Can I help you? What, what can I help you with? Do you need another shirt? I'm so sorry that I treated you like a nobody. Well, I am a nobody, but they don't know it. They thought all of a sudden he's a somebody. Now all of a sudden I become important. Who in our minds do we categorize as not all that important? Because we don't see them as a somebody. I remember I was at a conference in uh, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. And I, I always try to go and talk to people that aren't guest speakers and celebrities and you know, big shots or whatever in people's eyes. I always find somebody that's kind of standing there by themselves. I do that at every conference, to be honest. I, I look for somebody that's by themselves. I go over, shake their hand, introduce myself. Because there's somebody to God. There might be a nobody to the world, but everybody's a somebody to God. Everybody's valuable to God. God died for the whole world. God loves everybody. And there was this uh, little Malaysian man. And I'd been believing for this book, this particular book on, on the prophetic. And I thought, man, I'm going to get this book because it was recommended by the guest speaker at the conference. And I thought, I must get that book. And uh, anyway, thinking about that. And then I go over and I see this, this Malaysian man standing there by himself. And he said to me, because I stood out, there's a conference mainly of Malaysian people, and I'm fairly tall compared to the average person there and, and Caucasian, and so I stood out, and, and he goes, I, I've been meaning, I was going to come over and, um, and give you something. He pulls out the very book that I was looking to buy. Never told anybody about it, and he says, God told me to give you this. I'm thinking, well, that's a blessing. That's, that's incredible. Like, God actually, you know, knows my desire, wants me to read this particular book, and and um, so I said to this guy, I said, so, um, so tell me, what do you do? <laughs> and he goes, I own a few. Now, few means not couple, couples two. Few is at least three. I own a few Marriott hotels. <laughs> I used to work for what is now the Marriott in San Diego. It used to be the Intercontinental like I've said in the past, the president stayed there. You know, high, high diplomats. A few Marriott's. I'm so glad that I didn't know that when I walked across the room to talk to the man. 
And it was like God just said to me, hey, I'm proud of you, son. You see people as valuable. That's a great lesson. That's a great quality. Jesus had that quality. Jesus has that quality in us. To go up to people, not because we can get something out of the deal, not because they're a celebrity, not because I'm looking for a husband or a wife and they fit the bill. <laughs> to actually not have any other motive or agenda except God says be kind and he is kind to everybody including me and I must see people the way that God sees people and God sees people as valuable to him and precious to him. So the first thing about kindness is to adjust my eyesight to start seeing people the way that God sees people. Everybody. Regardless of stature or height or looks or whatever, whatever, whatever. Jesus loves everybody. I was praying this, this uh, past week, and um, without going into any details about it, but um, we had uh, someone that was very important that was going to have a look at uh, a house that we're building and, and some things had gone wrong, and this person basically makes the decision they're part of the government. Um, QBCC, and, and so I'm thinking, man, you know, this is a this is a big deal appointment because whatever they rule, the builders got to do it. So I'm prayed up and everything. Go to go to the appointment, and um, I'm talking to someone there. I don't want to go into details, but favor came my way. Let me just put it that way. And uh, so after the this inspector looked at everything and uh, goes, goes away to make his report and everything. We were standing out where our cars were parked. And this man told me about his Christian walk. And he said, I went to a conference of his, he was a former pastor, so I went to a conference at, at, uh, for my denomination. It's not ours, but another denomination. And he said, I thought to myself, instead of staying at a high-end hotel, I'm going to go sleep on the street in the city where the conference was. I'm just going to hang out with street people. I thought, man, like, I've never done that. Like, I go to a conference, I'm staying at a hotel. He said, no, God challenged me to go and spend time on the streets with people. And he's a pastor of a you know, of a church, and, and so he did that. And he said, this is what God taught me. He said, I went out, because all these people didn't have anything, and he said, I went out, and I bought coffee and donuts, and I bought a whole bunch of other stuff, just spent all the money I would have spent on a hotel. I just stockpiled a whole bunch of stuff, and I brought it back to these people that now had become friends that I'm hanging out with on the street, and he, said, and he said, by the time I got back there, <laughs> and I asked him, what kind of coffee do you want? You know, I have a latte or whatever, long black. <laughs> and, and he said, by the time I got back there, the coffee had gotten cold. And he said, I truly saw these people as Jesus. Because you know the end of Matthew, where as much as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And 
I said, oh, when did we do that unto you? When did, you then, when did we feed you? When did we visit you? He goes, as much as you've done it unto them, the least of these, you've, you've done it unto me. And so he said it was feeding Jesus. He went back with a whole grocery list, brought, brought all of this back to these street people who he spent the night with, and, and, and he said he, he, he had an overwhelming knowledge of the presence of God that he was actually giving Jesus donuts and Jesus food and Jesus coffee. And one of them said, my coffee's not, I like my coffee hot. And it was cold. And this is what he said to me. He said, Jesus likes his coffee hot. When you're serving somebody, when you see who it is that you're ser actually serving, that you're serving somebody that's so dear and valuable to God that God says they are Jesus in your world. As much as you've done it to them, you've done it to me. And by the way, I like my coffee hot. And he had this great revelation that just rocked his boat and changed his world, this man. And I thought to myself, you know, that was worth the whole appointment, more than the house and what he was inspecting and all the rest of it. That, that was the gold that this man had gotten, passed it back unto me to see people as valuable and precious. And, and, and if I do that, I cannot not be kind. You want to look good? Be kind. Dress up for success. Clothe yourself in kindness, and you will look as good as you can possibly look. Colossians 3.12. Listen to this. Therefore... As God's chosen people, that's us, holy and dearly beloved, loved rather, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. I've heard those words somewhere before. Patience. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You want to dress for success and you want to look good, you want God to look good, you want God's church to look good, then clothe yourself, especially this morning in kindness. Number two, we're going to fly, we're almost out of time. Realize that everyone you meet has their own difficulties. Sometimes we're so bound in our difficulties and we're talking to somebody and they're not kind and, and we're tempted to, to take off our kindness clothing and to, and to shift into our flesh and, and give them a peace of mind and, and, and put some stuff on social media or whatever, 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 or enter an argument. And, and, and God's like, hold on a moment. Have you ever thought that maybe that person has some difficulties that you're not aware of in their life? Mephibosheth was from Lodabar. Lodabar means a place where there's no word, no communication. There's no pasture there. It's a dry, desolate place where God is not speaking, where there's no communication. And so many people in this room are from Lodabar. Mephibosheth couldn't walk. He was dropped when he was five years old. He was lame. And so many of us were dropped as a child in, in our upbringing, but so many other people that were tempted to not be kind to, they were dropped. 
They're from Lodabar. And God would say, stop for a moment and have some understanding about you. You're not the only one going through something. You're not the only one with difficulties. You're not the only one from Lodabar. You're not the only one that's lame in some aspect of your life. God would say, stop. Stop thinking about yourself. Stop centering on yourself. Stop making you the, the, the center of the story. Even though you were dropped and it's incredible and it's hard, don't judge people so quickly. Like an old Leon Russell song, my brother reminded me of this the other day. It's called Magic Mirror. Magic Mirror, won't you tell me please, do I see myself in anyone I meet? Magic Mirror, if we could only try to see ourselves as others would. See yourself as others would, but see other people the way that you would, you would want to be seen. Number three, we're almost out of time. Number three, I'd like the worship team to come up. Give people what they don't deserve. David gave Mephibosheth what he didn't deserve. And while we're on that, give yourself what you don't deserve. Be kind to yourself. Quit beating yourself up. Even if you're not kind, don't beat yourself up over this message. Do something about it. This is not a message to tell you how bad you are, you're a worthless dead dog. This is a message uh, uh, about being kind, especially to yourself. I'll close with this scripture, but Titus 3, 4, and 5. Well, I won't close with the scripture, but I'll tell you the scripture. But when the kindness of love, the love of God and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal in the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4, 5 says, And let your kindness be known to all. And what does that result in? Now we'll finish with Romans 2, 4. Or do you show contempt for riches, the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God wants to reach this world so bad. And it's his kindness that would, throw, that would show through his church. That's you and I. It's that fruit that's on the branch that comes from the vine called kindness. Your kindness will lead people of all kinds to repent. Not our meanness, not our sharpness of tongue, not winning arguments, not making our point. Our kindness. Just like the kindness of God somewhere in your life was preached to you and it led, hopefully, to your repentance. Your kindness will lead people of the nations to repent. Oh, I want to be a kind person. Of all the things to be known for, I would love to be known he was kind. Oh, I want you to be kind in your school, on your job. I want you to be known in your community, wherever that is, as a kind person above pretty well everything else. <laughs> and I want this church 
to be a light in the world. I would love for City Church to be known as the kindest group of people on the planet. And it, it, and it would be so attractive to the world that I believe people would beat a path to kindness just to be part of a people that's kind. Can I pray for you? And if you're watching online or you're here right now and you don't know Jesus, it's like I preach. He's, he's got his hand extended towards you. It's a hand of friendship to make peace between God and you. And that hand is extended in kindness out of God's mercy, not based on what you, you've done. So I'd love for you to pray this prayer with me. And if you're watching online, pray this prayer as well. I'd like all of us to pray this prayer. And ask Jesus Christ into our heart. Accept the hand of friendship, the hand of kindness. So let's pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, I turn from my way to doing it your way. Jesus, I accept your kindness. I accept your mercy. I give you my heart. Make you my Lord. Amen and amen.